The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of professional speaking, coaching, and facilitation. Disruption. Transformation. We hear these words a lot in business today, but what do they really mean? Are they mutually exclusive or are they one and the same? Oftentimes, companies say they want innovation, but then opt for what is safe and comfortable. They say they want to be disruptive, but opt for compliance. What do they need to do? They need to develop the disruption mindset. My guest today, Charlene Lee, has written the book with the answers and the steps on how to do it. Charlene is the author of The Disruption Mindset, Why Some Organizations Transform While Others Fail. Drawing on interviews with some of the most audacious people driving disruptive transformation today, Charlene shows leaders at all levels how to answer the call to lead disruptive transformation in their organizations, communities, and society. She's able to do this, ladies and gentlemen, because for the past two decades, Charlene has been helping people to see the future. She's an expert on digital transformation, leadership, customer experience, and the future of work. Charlene is also the author of six books, including the New York Times bestseller, Open Leadership. And she's the co-author of the critically acclaimed book, Groundswell. Charlene was named one of the top 50 leadership innovators by Inc. and one of the most creative people in business by Fast Company. Charlene graduated magna cum laude from Harvard College and received her MBA from Harvard Business School. (laughs) And if that isn't enough, since 2012, with more than 266,000 followers, Charlene has been one of the few people designated as a LinkedIn 
influencer. So for this and many reasons, I am absolutely excited to have Charlene Lee on the Keep Leading Podcast today. Charlene, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly an honor to have you here. And I have to tell people, you and I met at the inaugural annual meeting for Marshall Goldsmith's MG100 Coaches. And you are just an incredibly warm, personable, and supportive person. In addition to all your major accolades, you're just a down-to-earth person. And so much so, you actually started coaching me right there on the spot, just took over. (laughs) And I fell in line. (laughs) And uh, you disrupted my life on that day. And I followed through. You sure did, Eddie. It was my honor to be able to do that to serve you. (laughs) Well, you're fascinating. And so uh, when we think about uh, just uh, all the things that you've done, tell me what I missed and what what else should we know about you? Um, I am living in San Francisco. I also am the parent of two college-age kids. So I am not an empty nester, but a free bird. And I just <laughs> I, <laughs> better, more positive, optimistic term for that. Um, and I, I really adore and love seeing what, um, what I call the aha moment. That is how I get really excited. That's what I live for. It's when people move from that place of confusion and anxiety to a place of understanding and confidence and able to take that next step. That is what drives me. Um, and it's a reason why my purpose in life is to help leaders thrive with disruption. Yes. And that's not easy to do. That's an interesting phrase, even when you say thrive in disruption, because for many people, as I'm sure you've experienced, when you say the word, it actually doesn't give them the thought of thriving. It gives them the th- <laughs> the thought of maybe uh, fleeing. So can you tell us what is disruption the way you define it in your work? I think of disruption as stepping outside of your comfort zone and into a place where things are not set. It is the opposite of comfort and status quo, knowing where things are going to happen. But we also know that when the balance of power, when things are uncertain and topsy-turvy, that's where opportunities are created. And so for people who thrive with disruption, they see it, they run towards it because they know that's where the growth and the opportunities are going to be. So they should run to it instead of running away from it. Right. And what's interesting is there is a certain mindset that people have when they have that that inkling to go towards disruption. They have a tremendous level of confidence that they'll be able to survive that disruption, that they'll be able to figure their way out through it. That's not going to destroy them. And in fact, it's going to strengthen them. So that sounds like something that you talk about in your book. You have this portion where you talk about uh, that we look at disruption backwards. And is that what you mean when you say that? Yes. We, we oftentimes say, what are the disruptive innovations or technologies? Again, thinking about it from a business per- perspective. What are the disruptive things we have to do in order to grow? And what I found in my research is that the actual act of growing is a highly disruptive act. Just the fact that you're going to grow from where you are, move out of your status quo, is in of itself disruptive. And it's the number one reason why people don't even take that first step towards finding ways to grow, because it looks really hard. It looks like it's going to be disruptive. So they don't want to do it. 
versus knowing that the only way they're going to grow is if they enter into that disruption. Um, people keep wanting to say, look, I want this to be easy. I want a clear answer. I want this disruptive innovation that's going to be easy to um, implement. And, and I basically want the easy button for disruption. And I'm here to say that doesn't happen. <laughs> it may look <laughs> easy from the outside, but it's never. It's tumultuous. It's hard. It's gut-wrenching. And for the people who embark on this, they do so willingly because they know what the goodness is on the other side of that challenge and those obstacles. Yeah, because so many times we want what's comfortable and we don't want to do anything that's outside of the status quo because of those fears. Yeah, and, and that's completely understandable because it's exhausting. And what I found with these disruptors is that they go through a phase of disruption and then they pause. They take stock of where they are. They gather themselves, find a new normal, a new status quo. Basically, they, they create this really firm foundation of stability, of clarity, of constantness, and then use that to push off hard again to the next level of disruption and change. So they're not always doing this. They're finding new foundations of, of goodness and that constantness to be able to give themselves that strength and move forward again. And so this idea of disruption and change, how does that relate to transformation? Well, transformation is that process. And so it's interesting, a lot of organizations, a lot of people are going through what they call a digital transformation. And they oftentimes only look at the digital part. Okay, so there's technologies we have to use and start adopting. And they don't understand that the transformation part is going to be even harder. This is not about the technology. It's always about the people. The, the, right. the change that you have to go through, the transformation. And I find that a lot of people in organizations do not prepare themselves for that transformation process. So disruption acknowledges it. It says it's an honest conversation that says we're going to go through this transformation. It's going to be hard. Let's prepare ourselves for this. Let's make sure we are aligned together to support each other on this journey. And be very, very clear about why we're doing this and what's at the end of it. Because if we're not clear, we're going to always want to pull back away from it when the journey gets hard. We're like, oh, it's too hard. Let's stop. Let's go back to what we know well. And because mm -hmm. we know that works kind of okay, maybe we can just put up with that for a few more months, a few more years. The change is too hard. Let's put it off for now. Yes. Yes. And so if someone is interested in taking these steps and you have several of these in your book. What is the secret, you would say, to having a successful disruption strategy? I think the key thing is uh, to focus on your future customers. I kept coming back to this. And what do these disruptive organizations and leaders do really well? They have a really clear idea of who their future customers are. And that's such an important aspect of this. It's not just who your customers are today, but where they will be, who will they be in the future? Because it's only when you have that future perspective of where you want to go and where you want to be that you will make the investments, make the sacrifices, make the choice, the hard choices today to be able to pursue that future customer. And the you reason why this is so hard is because people aren't absolutely 100% sure who their future customers are. That's yes. the challenge. <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah. We know who our customer clientele list looks like today, and the future customer may not be a buyer. How do we know? So that can. I know. This is the hardest part. 
Yeah, and, and this is the part where you, you make your best guess to say, well, I think this is where the future is going to be. And you have all of these contingency plans because you have this time until 18 months, three years, five years down the line to see whether you're in the right, moving in the right direction. And if not, you can always come back and go off in a different route. You're yes. listening to the market. You're constantly saying and, and adjusting, uh, but you're start. You're going along that path to know where you're going to go to. I mean, you know what it's like driving on the highway. You want to get to someplace, and all of a sudden, there's a roadblock. There's a traffic jam. There's an accident. What do you do? You take a detour, or you continue on through that obstruction. But whatever it is, you know where you're headed towards. I I don't know how you can set a coherent strategy for the future, something more than just your current 12-month budget, unless you know who your future customers are. And what does that three- or five-year strategy look like if you don't know what that answer is? And what I find that most leaders do is when they're doing what they call strategic planning, they're budgeting for the next 12 months. That's not a plan. That's a budget. Mm -hmm. And budgets don't allow you to see the future to create that change that's needed. And, and I get it. It's terrifying. It's terrifying to create that change if you're not 100% sure. But that's what leaders do. Leaders create change. Managers manage the status quo. And if you're not creating change and you're not a leader, you're a manager. Mm, I love it. Leaders create change. Managers manage the status quo. All right. Thank you for sharing that, Charlene. Now, you made an interesting connection there, Charlene, between leadership and disruption. So can you tell us a little bit more about how leadership changes when you're trying to disrupt? Well, when you're leading a disruptive movement, I think that's the key thing is that you need to have a movement that uh, people can align to and be a part of, because this is too hard to do trying to create a disruptive transformation to just say, okay, we're just going to go in this direction. A, A movement is actually needed. And that's how leadership changes. I don't think many times when we're talking about leadership, we talk about great leadership, exceptional leadership. Rarely do we say you're going to stand up and create a movement, a movement that moves on its own, where people are raising themselves up and becoming leaders and taking on that mantle of change. And that's what is needed when you're trying to create disruption, because you need something to carry people a vision and manifesto, these ideas that will be manifested more than just what you're doing today, but motivated by that future. So disruption needs movements and leaders need to be able to know and be confident about leading a movement. I've never heard it put quite like that. Leaders need to get comfortable leading a movement. I like it. We're talking to Charlene Lee. Charlene Lee is a LinkedIn influencer, a six-time author, a New York Times bestselling author as well. And we're talking about her latest book, The Disruption Mindset why some organizations transform while others fail. We'll have more with Charlene right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is Chester Elton, the apostle of appreciation. 
and you're listening to the Keep Leading Podcast with the one, the only, Eddie Turner. Okay, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, and we are talking to Charlene Lee. She's an amazing woman. Uh, she's a LinkedIn influencer, six-time author, New York Times bestselling author, I might say. And uh, we're talking about her current book, The Disruption Mindset, Why Some Organizations Transform While Others Fail. Before the break, we were talking about the connection between leadership and disruption. And you gave us some really good things to think about. But there's another thing I wanted to ask you, and that is when we're thinking about culture inside of organizations, because this you, you made the point that you have to lead a movement. So how do you create a culture that allows you to thrive with disruption? Well, I think, again, there are many different types of culture, but I like to characterize them as two types. Cultures that are tend to be more stuck and ones that are comfortable dealing with what I call flux, things that are constantly in flux and changing. And flux cultures have a different way of thinking about the world. Uh, they have different beliefs and behaviors. And it's important to look at those same beliefs and behaviors because that's simply what culture is. You change your beliefs, you're going to change your behaviors and vice versa. And Flux culture, these disruptive organizations have three beliefs in particular that are very consistent. They tend to be very open in how they share information and how they make clear how decisions are being made. They have a tremendous level of agency where uh, the people inside those organizations feel like they are themselves owners. And because it's very clear who they're trying to reach, these future customers and information that's flowing, they can take action. And then the third thing is a belief that uh, there's a bias for action and that because your customers are moving so quickly away from you, you have to act as quickly as possible. So as soon as you have enough data to make uh, an informed choice, you make it. And if it doesn't work out, then you always know you can come back because they're confident that 99% of decisions that are made can be reversed if they're not the right one. And that actually is a challenge for a lot of people, as I'm sure you see, right? When do we have enough data? You have some folks that caught into paralysis through analysis. I mean, when do we know we can move on? I call it minimally viable data. As soon as you have just mm. enough data to know that one choice is better than the other, make that decision. Because the only way you're going to get better at knowing it's the right decision is to actually go make it. It's the foundation, in many cases, of what, what this process called Agile is. Um, Agile has a whole bunch of other things, but the underlying belief is as soon as we can make a decision, we're going to go down that way. And this, this is the key part. We're not looking for perfection. It's impossible. So instead of saying, how much more data do we need? How much more confidence do we need? You go in the opposite direction. As soon as we know that one option is a little bit better than the other, we're going to go in that direction because the amount of energy it's going to take to figure out, make it maybe 10%, 20% more sure, you may as well just go and do it to find out whether it works or not. <laughs> so it, what, if you have a strong relationship with your customers, a strong relationship with your workforce, your team, your leadership, and you're aligned together to create the best possible outcomes for your customers and your future customers, then it's almost impossible to make the wrong decision. Even if it's the wrong one initially, you know you're always going to come back and do the right thing for everybody. 
that's working and leading and having a culture that's focused on excellence rather than perfection. I like that. Minimally viable data. And you tied it really nicely to agile leadership, which I'm hearing a lot about these days. And that makes so much sense. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So, Charlene, in this type of leadership that you're talking about, do you have an example of a customer scenario or something that you've mentioned in your book that would crystallize this and allow us to vision this a little bit better? Sure. Uh, The example I would give is Adobe. One of the things that the technology company did is they moved from packaged software to the cloud back in about 2012, 2013. And this was highly controversial because no customers were asking for it. But they had a really, (laughs) yeah, they had a really clear vision that this was absolutely necessary for the future customer. And the future customer wasn't just the customer they had today, all these like creative professionals. It was also um, a student who can't afford $800 for Photoshop, but is willing to pay $10 a month to be able to use that. And so they increased their addressable market in a huge way. Um, but it, the customers, the existing customers were so up in arms that almost 50,000 of them signed a petition saying they wanted to go back. Really? I and didn't Adobe know that. Goes, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, it was really nerve-wracking for them. And the employees were like, wait, we want to do the right thing for our customers. You don't want this either. And besides, everything that we're doing in our job is going to completely change. The way we sell, the way we account for finances, the way we market, the way we handle customer service, everything had to change. So highly, highly disruptive. And the leaders were absolutely convinced that this was the future. To their credit, they never blinked Mm -hmm. against all of these adversities, all of these issues. They go, we have burnt the boats. We are not going back. There was no boat to go back and we've burnt them. So it's only (laughs) forward. (laughs) so i on so many fronts i just think it's the ultimate story and and i just tell you about the culture the culture at adobe was such that um people they really foster the fact that anybody can say anything to anybody including the ceo an intern could talk to the ceo so and, and so as it was going through this huge amount of change internally, they did a huge amount of listening. They heard all the concerns, like, hear you. And they made adjustments based on the feedback from both the customers and the employees. So they had this idea. They never took their eye off of it. But they made adjustments. They made changes. But we're not going back. But how can we make this better for you is what they asked. How can we make this better? So they made some fundamental changes. And their culture was, again, of openness. They kept everybody clearly aligned about what they were doing. There was strong agency that anybody up and down throughout the organization could take action against this move. But again, we're not going back. We're going forward. But you have an idea and a way to make this better, by all means, take it. And the bias for action is they were making so many changes in such a short amount of time. And they knew a lot of them weren't the right ones, but they said, we can't wait to figure out the right ones. But we have confidence in our relationship that we can make these mistakes and our customers will understand, our employees will understand that we're trying to do this in the right way. We won't know until we try it. Yes. And that really highlights what you said earlier in terms of you got to have confidence as a leader to be able to make these type of decisions. Because some people would say, wow, you're really... Uh, betting a farm on something that is uncertain. And that's why I really appreciate that 
phrase you introduced, minimally viable data. Truly being an agile leader is what it takes to be a disruptive leader who's going to be transformational. I like it. Yeah. And yeah, and here's the, the thing is we think leadership is about clarity and about, um, you know, knowing exactly what you're going to do. And I think you would agree with me. The hardest part of leadership is when you don't know what the answer is and it's not clear and it requires a tremendous amount of courage because that's when your leadership is most needed. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. In fact, I, I often cite President Obama made a statement uh, about leadership along those lines. And he said, by the time the decision gets to him, uh, they're never easy decisions. All the easy decisions were made long before <laughs> it reached him. Up mm-hmm. the chain. So there's exactly. never an easy decision when you, when you reach the top layers of leadership. So good. Yep. So Charlene, I teach uh, a program on knowledge management. And in knowledge management, I talk about all the ways organizations can enhance knowledge sharing. And the reason it's important, and in fact, uh, absolutely critical to an organization's competitive advantage. And one of the components of successful knowledge management infrastructures is something called COP, Communities of Practice. And this is where experts go to support each other And not only should I just say experts, even those who just have an interest in this particular area. With what you're talking about, it seems to me that a leader who wants to get started or who's already working on this type of disruption might need support. Are there any organizations or communities of practice that you are aware of to support disruptive leaders? Well, I didn't find very many. So I, uh, in my research for the book, I said, wow, I kept running across these leaders who said, well, I feel really lonely. I feel like I'm the only person in my organization who's pushing against the, this, this immobile mass. of status How about quo. that? Yeah, so I, I started a group, um, a community of practice called Quantum Networks. You can find it at quantum-networks.com. And the idea is to support these disruptive leaders in their quest to create exponential change in their organizations, but also in their communities and society. Because I, I believe we need so much change to happen, so much growth and impact to happen. We're not going to get there by incrementally making changes happen. Uh, we need to think about how can we exponentially speed up the change and the impact we want to have in our, in our organizations. Wow. Now, I thought I did a lot of research on you before we got started, and somehow I missed this. Is this new, or did I just do bad research? It's brand new. <laughs> so okay. it's, it's literally <laughs> just getting it off the ground. I've been in stealth mode and alpha mode, and we're just coming out of it now. So, Oh, so is the key fitting um, audience one of the first places to, to hear this? In one of the places, yes. Okay. So, I, again, with, with <laughs> just, we launched it in late 2019 as a, as a beta, literally an alpha beta. And um, just the, um, in Q1, have really started promoting it. And the idea is that we want to create a movement of disruptive leaders. And we're not going to get there, again, by hoping that somebody will will read a book or listen to a podcast or read a blog post. We really need people to get together and support each other, uh, both online, but also hopefully through local meetups, too. Wow. So you are just, uh, this is another thing that just takes you to another level in my book. You didn't find an organization, so you just went and made one. How cool is that? Yeah, there are a lot of executive groups out there um, for communities of practice about marketing or by industry. 
And I just couldn't find one that was really focused on this mindset of being disruptive. And here's the thing is, it's different from being entrepreneurial. Entrepreneurial is just focused on startups, right? But this Mm -hmm. is about creating and and bringing people together. Because if you want to create true disruption, you can, as a leader, you have to bring people to your cause. You have to create that movement. That is not a skill that we're taught. How do you actually do that? Yes. How do you increase your disruptive leadership skills? How do you start thinking about being more disruptive? How do you build the confidence and the courage to take those first steps? Those are really difficult things. And, and there aren't very many organizations or leadership development courses that go, yeah, go and learn how to blow up things. <laughs> and at the same time, put it back together again. It sounds like this is a leadership competency of the future, would you say? I, I think so. And, and, and especially since you know about knowledge management, the reason why this is all possible today is that, again, Clay, Clayton Christensen uh, wrote about the innovator's dilemma, that it, it, it basically it's impossible for an organization to disrupt themselves. I just gave an example of Adobe doing this. And the major reason why this is possible now is because of the flow of information, the speed at, and the depth at which information is flowing throughout an organization and ecosystem now. We actually can see and communicate where that future looks like. We can harness our customers, our employees, our suppliers, the entire ecosystem against this goal. And in the past, it was extremely difficult to do that. And it's just over maybe in the five, last five, maybe seven, ten years that we've been able to do this. So this is a brand new competency, I think, that we need to develop and explore and, and make sure that people know about. Wonderful. Wonderful. I love it. So how would you summarize our conversation today, Charlene? Um, I would summarize it by saying disruption is something that I think everyone needs to think about uh, because it's not an absolute. You don't go and be absolutely disruptive or not. It's a gradient. And think about the one thing that you could change in your world, the one thing that really could make a big difference in your organization, in your community, and society. And then ask the question, why not you? Why not me? Why shouldn't I be the person to create that change? And then take the first step towards it. Why not me? All right. And on the Keep Leading podcast, in addition to the amazing content you've just shared with my listeners, I always like to get a quote that can help our leaders to keep leading or the best advice you've ever received. The best advice I ever received um, was uh, experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Uh, Because it's so easy to get discouraged or pushed back. And I think the most resilient leaders, the most destructive leaders, look at every setback as an opportunity to learn, to add into your um, your your tool chest of things that you can draw on your experience tool chest. So I I look at every setback. Maybe I'm just an optimist, but I look at every setback as wow, that's interesting. That didn't work out the way I thought. Why is that? <laughs> Why didn't that happen? And learn from that and move forward again. Um, rather than wallowing in the fact that it didn't work out. Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. And it sounds like that's what you did when you created that group. <laughs> so now you got experience <laughs> in that case. Well, I said, when I set up the group, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have talked about, you know, communities and social networks for my, for, for the past 20 years. And, 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 and I said, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I hope you will join me on this journey. And we'll figure it out together. 
and join you on this journey many will including listeners of the keep leading podcast charlene thank you so much for being on the show today where can my listeners learn more about you they can uh, come to my website charlinelee.com and you can find me on all the social various channels um, i hope that you were connected with me i would love to hear from you again charlene lee is my handle and charlene at charlinelee.com is my email and i do mean that i, I really do want to hear from people and I give this information out to people. Nobody ever writes to me, Eddie. So I hope people will. I hope okay, they reach keep out leading and, and listeners. connect with me. You all heard her. Reach out to Charlene. She means it. She's sincere. And she really is one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And as I said, she started coaching me. It just took over my life right away. So uh, she means it. <laughs> Charlene, we're going to put these in the show notes and make sure that folks, whether they're holding their phone in their hand or uh, they are on the website, they will have access to all these links to be able to reach out and connect with you and get to know you. Fantastic. Thank you again so much, Eddie. Thank you, Charlene, for being a guest on the Keep Leading Podcast. And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.